Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're about to find out everything you need to know to start your day. It's the WISN Morning Briefing. It is 5.05. This is the WISN Morning Briefing, sponsored by Team Hoffman Remax. It is a Friday. We've made it through another week. 23rd day in June. Cloudy skies, and we do have rain in the area as well, 65 degrees. Good morning, I'm Kat Herrera, and topping the news, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld a lower court's decision overturning the conviction of Brendan Dassey in the rape and murder of Teresa Halbach. Fox 6's Brett Lemoyne reports, unless the state decides to retry him in the next three months, Dassey will be freed from prison. A federal appeals court ruled in Brendan Dassey's favor, affirming he was coerced into confessing and should be released. It's the big break. We're extremely excited about it. The family of Brendan Dassey has been waiting for. It's one step in the right direction. I think uh, Brendan needs freedom now. Dassey rose to international fame following the release of the Netflix series Making a Murderer, documenting the 2005 death of Teresa Halbach and subsequent court case. Dassey is currently serving a life sentence for Halbach's murder. What do you make you do? Dassey told detectives he helped his uncle Stephen Avery rape and kill Halbach in the Avery family's Manitowoc County salvage yard. The series pokes holes in the state's case against both Avery and Dassey. Dassey was 16 at the time of that confession and suffered from cognitive problems. His brother Brad tells us he's anxious to have Dassey back home. He can't wait to be home with his family where he belongs. On Thursday, a three-judge panel from the Seventh Circuit backed a lower court's decision stating Dassey should be freed unless the state chooses to retry him. The State Department of Justice quick to affirm its own plans, telling us, quote, we anticipate seeking review by the entire Seventh Circuit or the United States Supreme Court and hope that today's erroneous decision will be reversed. Well, I think the state should just give up and let go because Brendan is innocent. Still, with the series soaring popularity, there's at least some comfort from the Dassey family that they're not going through this alone. Brendan's lawyers are doing a great job. Definitely Stephen Avery's lawyers are doing a great job, and the world is behind everything, and we want to thank everybody for their support. Brad Dassey says his brother continues to get daily letters from fans across the globe. We reached out to Brendan Dassey's father but didn't hear back. Back to you. Police in Kentucky have arrested a second suspect in the abduction and rape of a woman from Milwaukee. An 18-year-old man was arrested Wednesday for sexual assault and use of a dangerous weapon. The first suspect in the case, 28-year-old Jose Arrivalo Vieira, was arrested Tuesday. He was in court Thursday where he was ordered held under half a million dollars bond. Fox 6's Jonathan Gregg tells us Arivalo Vieira has a long record of arrests in Kentucky. In recent weeks, he's been charged with sexual abuse, robbery, burglary, and an assault charge where Arivalo Vieira is accused of shooting a man multiple times with a handgun. Both men are suspected of abducting a woman in downtown Milwaukee, forcing her to drive to Kenosha County where she was sexually assaulted and beaten. Senate Republicans Thursday released details of their health care bill, and already four senators, including Wisconsin's Ron Johnson, have indicated they may not be able to support it. That's crucial because the GOP can only afford to lose two senators or the bill will fail. 
Fox 6 political reporter Theo Keith with the story. In the U.S. Senate, Republicans are short of the 50 votes needed to pass an Obamacare replacement bill after four members, including Wisconsin's Ron Johnson, said they didn't think the current plan would accomplish the most important promise to repeal Obamacare and lower health care costs. I can't imagine, quite honestly, that I'd have the information to evaluate and justify yes vote within just a week. The Senate bill eliminates the individual mandate that people buy insurance and repeals Obamacare taxes on both insurers and the wealthy. Insurance Plans that include abortion coverage wouldn't qualify for subsidies. The Senate version delays cuts to Medicaid in the short term, but makes deeper cuts in the long run. President Donald Trump and House Speaker Paul Ryan came to the defense of Senate leaders. It's going to be very good. A little negotiation, but it's going to be very good. From what I understand, their bill uh, tracks in, in many ways along the lines of the House bill. I think that's very good. At a forum on Wednesday, two Milwaukee health care leaders questioned why the bill had to be voted on as early as next week. They were Bob Duncan of the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin and Kathy Mahaffey of Common Ground Healthcare Cooperative. Mahaffey criticized GOP leaders for not getting enough input from the industry. It requires more time. Um, it requires more than these few months um, where it's been talked about. There's, there's, there's no question. We told you where Ron Johnson stands. Wisconsin's other U.S. Senator, Democrat Tammy Baldwin, is voting no. She says the repeal plan, quote, has no heart. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office is scheduled to release its analysis of this bill early next week. In the newsroom, Theo Keith, Fox 6 News. A 39-year-old woman accused of pouring gas into a home and setting it on fire, causing the death of a 72-year-old man, has now been formally charged. Java Wright is charged with reckless homicide and arson. She was in court Thursday, bond set at $250,000. The allegations in this complaint are very serious and are both disturbing and horrendous. The only solace in this situation is that he died from inhaling smoke rather than being burnt alive. Police say when they arrested Wright, she admitted to the crime, telling them that she was trying to force her boyfriend out of the house because they'd been fighting. Door County's Newport State Park has just been given a designation that's held by only 48 parks in the world. The park has been designated as an international dark sky park. That means it's a prime spot for stargazers. The park is located at the northern tip of Door County, and it's already seen an increase in people traveling there just to view the night sky. We're backpack camping only, so we've had people, which is the best campsite for dark sky? The Newport State Park is the only park in the state to have that dark sky designation. A driver who led police on two chases in Racine County has been arrested. He was 13 years old. Officers arrested the boy at a home in Mount Sturdivant as he pulled into the driveway. They obtained that address by running a check on the car's license plate. The boy had apparently taken the car from his father's girlfriend. Checking the Bryant Heating and Cooling Sports scoreboard with the 17th pick in the NBA draft, the Bucks pick up University of Michigan power forward D.J. Wilson. At 6'10", Wilson is described as kind of raw, but he has a wingspan of 7 feet 3 inches. Fox 6's Tim Ben Warren tells us Wilson was very impressive in the Big Ten last season. Talk about the Big Ten Conference. He played well in the Big Ten last year, particularly late in the Big Ten season, postseason action. In the NCAA tournament last year, in fact, Wilson averaged 16 points a game. That was five better than he averaged during the regular season. He carried a 3.8 average in high school, turned down offers from Harvard so that he could go to Michigan. And it was the Brewers over the Pirates 4-2, so they split that series two games apiece with Pittsburgh. Coming up on 513 on the WISN Morning Briefing, and still to come, a growing move on Capitol Hill to ban most American travel to North Korea. 
And then Fox's Greg Gutfeld offers his idea on how to put pressure on North Korea in the wake of reports that it is now exporting slaves. That's coming up next. Giving you all you need to know right now. This is the WISN Morning Briefing. And your morning briefing continues now at 517 with more news and comments on that news. After the death of a college student who'd been jailed in North Korea, there is a growing move in Congress, and I should add a bipartisan move, to ban Americans from traveling to North Korea under most circumstances. It would be an outright ban on tourist travel. You just can't go as just a tourist. And you'd have to get a special license for all other travel. Here's more on this developing story now from Fox News. Heartbreaking final farewell to student Otto Warmbier, who died this week after being released from his captors in North Korea. Thousands of mourners lined the streets of his hometown in Ohio, where he was remembered as being the nicest kid who had a bright future. We know that he suffered severe brain injuries while he was in custody. And it has outraged many, including our nation's leaders. A bipartisan pair of lawmakers are trying to prevent other Americans from facing a similar fate. They join me now, California Democrat Adam Schiff and South Carolina Republican Joe Wilson. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. Obviously a very difficult day in Wyoming, Ohio today, um, but you are trying to have something good come out of this. Uh, Congressman Schiff, tell us about this legislation. Well, the legislation would require a, a license to visit North Korea, and it would essentially ban one category, that is tourist travel. Uh, tourist travel exposes American citizens to uh, great uh, risk and harm. Uh, we saw, obviously, just how tragic that can be with the death of Otto Warmbier. Uh, but it also provides a source of hard currency for North Korea. It allows the North to take Americans uh, hostage and use them as bargaining chits to compel high-level uh, delegation visits to try to retrieve American citizens. So uh, this is something that we want to do more to discourage. Uh, I want to thank uh, my colleague uh, Joe Wilson for all of his leadership on this issue and our uh, Foreign Affairs Chairman uh, Ed Royce for agreeing to take up the bill. Uh, it is a very bipartisan work product and, uh, and I think uh, its time has certainly tragically come. Yeah. Um, let's listen to this from the President last night in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But you look at North Korea, what's going, look at Otto, beautiful Otto. Went over there a healthy, wonderful boy. And you see how he came back. You see how he came back. So we've been given a bad hand, but we're going to take that bad hand and it'll all be good. Congressman Wilson, how would this bill that you're proposing hurt North Korea? Well, I'm really grateful it would require a license before tourists could uh, visit North Korea. Currently, people can visit at any time, uh, but this would limit the persons. They would have to have a license from the U.S. Department of Treasury, uh, and uh, it would provide for humanitarian uh, efforts, but not for tourism. Tourism only benefits uh, the communist totalitarian dictatorship, and I, I, I'm just so proud of uh, President Donald Trump pointing out his deep affection uh, for Otto Warmbier and his family. Uh, the American people uh, have been so tragically affected by this murder of a just a wonderful UVA student. You know, obviously, we've seen a lot of escalation, a lot of missile tests coming from North Korea. Uh, today, we had a failed missile interceptor test off of Hawaii. You know, Congressman Schiff, in terms of, of how that part of this tension is going, uh, you know, this bill have any impact on that? Or what do you expect from the president when it comes to that in the face of the death of Otto Warmbier and the new resolve to, to be stronger against this regime? 
Well, I think this bill certainly signals a willingness uh, in the United States to uh, do whatever we need to do to crack down uh, on North Korea, to, in this case, deprive North Korea of this hard currency, as well as the opportunity to exploit to the presence of American citizens. Uh, but there's a lot more that we need to do, uh, as the President has alluded, uh, and as our Secretary of State underscored recently, uh, there's a lot more that China can do, really needs to do. China has the primary economic leverage on North Korea. I think we're going to have to make it clear to China that unless they do more, uh, we're going to have to impose yeah. secondary sanctions on Chinese financial institutions, uh, expand uh, theater missile defense, expand our naval presence. Those are steps we don't necessarily yeah. want to take, but we'll have to. I mean, there's not a ton of tourism in North Korea, but I understand you know, the meaning behind what you're trying to do and to prevent anyone from seeing the same fate that Otto Warmbier saw when he visited that country. Um, there are still other individuals that are there. There are three other Americans. Um, what can be done in Congress? Are you putting pressure on this situation, Representative Wilson, to try to bring them home and use this as some sort of leverage? And, and sadly, we've had 17 Americans that have been held by the North Koreans over the last 10 years, and three still are in custody. Uh, and we'll be making every effort, and I, I appreciate the extraordinary efforts of President Trump uh, working with President Xi of China, uh, that every effort will be made to uh, bring these uh, persons home, uh, to protect American citizens, and uh, any way that, and hey, this is a classic example of uh, bipartisanship that the American people need to see, uh, a Republican from South Carolina, a Democrat from California. The American people are united. Uh, against the dictatorship in Pyongyang. Dealing with North Korea is a deadly serious business, and Fox's Greg Gutfeld, who oftentimes offers somewhat tongue-in-cheek commentary, is equally serious this time around about dealing with the North Koreans. He offers his own suggestions on dealing with the North, especially in light of reports that North Korea is, in effect, exporting slaves now to other nations, and he'll explain. As everyone tries to figure out what to do with North Korea, National Review reveals a key fact. The world buys slaves from the place. Up to 100,000 North Koreans are sent abroad as essentially slave labor to build, among other things, the stadiums for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. When the workers return, nearly all their money is taken by the government, which I doubt is spent on elder care or prenatal nutrition. Obviously, we must pressure banks from handling North Korea's money here and elsewhere. And we could do that by punishing everyone involved. But we also need countries to stop using these laborers. And we also need to lean on FIFA, which after translation stands for International Federation of Association Football. And by football, we mean soccer. <laughs> it's the soccer organization that benefits from this gross export. North Korea exports bodies, extracts their value, then tosses them aside. Now, I know no one's going to cancel the World Cup, especially if the world doesn't exist in 2022. North Korea got its nukes, after all, and they got nukes because people pay them to build stadiums. The money paid goes straight to those maniacs who don't use it to feed their citizens, but to build missiles. So what if you started writing to FIFA now, demand that the games not be played on a field created by tormented souls? It may not amount to anything, but it sure beats watching soccer. Oh. By the way, I just want to point out that this morning uh, was Otto's funeral in uh, Wyoming, Ohio. It was open to the public, but closed for the press. Meanwhile, North Korea is still massing weapons, uh, uh, Jesse, at a testing site. Um, is, do you think Donald Trump is planning something? 
Well, I think from that tweet that he just tweeted out, I think it was yesterday, where he said, you know what, China tried, too yeah. bad it didn't work. I think what that does is shows that Trump is the unpredictable one. Because the last thing that China wants is some sort of destabilizing strike on the north that creates downward migration pressure on their borders. They don't want that at all. So I think that's going to motivate the Chinese to do something. Mattis and Tillerson are over there meeting with their counterparts. The South Korean president's going to meet with Trump next week. I think, you know, there are some things you can do. There's I steel import tariffs that we can do. You know, China has to crack down on, on some cyber situations, on money laundering. We were in the green room, Dana and I, and we were looking at some thing on television that China still has a dog meat festival and they, I think they eat dogs it's this big thing I want the president to tweet about it if the president tweeted about that I mean how embarrassing would that be for the Chinese to bring that much attention to that that's another way to create but they're not leverage. embarrassed by because the dogs are there are, are it would be like India going look at America eating cows I, I, I feel like it would be a little bit embarrassing if Trump tweeted about By the way, I that. thought that you made a really great point, and so I just want to stop and say yes. <laughs> wow. that, that when you go after their assets, right now we go after the assets of the Cubans, we go after the assets of the Iranians, mm -hmm. we go after everybody's assets, but I don't think we are, in, in specific, going after even Russians. We don't go after the assets of the rich, the people who are benefiting right, at the upper level of North Korean life. Yeah, it, it, Sorry, I think that we should, uh, that President Trump could do some outside-the-box thinking um, because, because the containment policy isn't working. But what if the president led uh, uh, worldwide sanctions against countries that hire, that take these North Korean workers? Right. Like punish them because I, there, there are no real labor protections in other Gulf countries yeah. either. I mean, there's terrible conditions. It's dirt cheap labor and they live terrible lives. But in, in, if you could get other countries to not hire them or not accept these North Korean workers, that might actually at least help. Yeah. And I know that FIFA, money. Kimberly, I know FIFA has, uh, is not involved in hiring these people. They're just behind the World Cup. But to let them know that they're playing there, if you go to FIFA.com. Boy, you've ruined their night. Um, <laughs> but yes, but China does have a long um, history and record of shielding North Korea from more, you know, extreme sanctions because they're really quite afraid of any kind of regime collapse and they're worried about a refugee fallout mm -hmm. if the regime collapses because then what are they going to do, you know, with all the people coming across the borders and the problems and the unrest, much like we've kind of been seeing, right, in the Middle East and in Syria, what's happening there with refugees and people displaced when you have this kind of a tumultuous uh, activity and different factions fighting. There's a tremendous amount of fallout and it happens to lay in the laps of the, you know, bordering countries to shoulder the burden, um, you know, physically, financially, you know, economically, that type of thing. So, but I think sanctions are hugely important as part of the overall scheme to try to put pressure on North Korea. I don't think that, that the United States or the world can stand by and allow this for a second longer that strategic patience has failed yeah and of course the latest out of north korea this morning is they are testing an engine for an intercontinental ballistic missile north korea's goal of course is to be able to create a nuclear missile an intercontinental ballistic missile that can hit the united states that's what they want to do they leave you know they leave no doubt about it they brag about it in fact much more still to come on the morning briefing, including some Democrats now wondering, is it time for a change in leadership as the party continues to lose elections? Nancy Pelosi in the crosshairs. We'll have that more along with an update on your morning traffic. It's coming up on 529. It is 534. Here are some of the top national and international stories on the morning briefing. Some House Democrats looking for a change in leadership after a series of special election losses. 
Fox's Jared Halpin reports from Capitol Hill. Former House Speaker and longtime Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi is defending her credentials. I love With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of the arena, I thrive on competition, and uh, I welcome the, the, the discussion. And there is a discussion among some House Democrats who worry they won't win back a majority without new leadership. Given the, you know, the drumbeat of loss after loss after loss after loss. New York Democrat Kathleen Rice is not suggesting an imminent change, only a continued conversation. On Capitol Hill, Jared Halpern, Fox News. Bill Cosby setting out to change the story with a series of town hall meetings. On preventing sexual abuse. Really? Fox's Michelle Polino reports. In the wake of his mistrial in Philadelphia over sexual assault charges, Bill Cosby is planning a series of town hall talks about how to protect yourself against sexual assault allegations. Spokesman Andrew Wyatt spoke to Fox's WBRC in Alabama. This issue can affect any young person, especially young athletes of today. Spokeswoman Ebony Benson explains. A brush against a shoulder, you know, anything at this point can be considered sexual assault. Legal analyst Lou Shapiro says they are trying to shift the focus and attention off the criminal case. And move it more towards the more a more global uh, issue. Shapiro adds the Cosby camp is essentially saying... I'm the victim here. Michelle Polino, Fox News. A former U.S. government employee is accused of selling secrets to the Chinese. Pam Puso has the latest on that. A Virginia man accused of transmitting top-secret and other classified documents to an apparent Chinese intelligence agent was arrested Thursday at his home in Leesburg and briefly appeared in federal court in Alexandria. According to court documents, 60-year-old Kevin Mallory is an Army veteran who worked for a number of government agencies and defense contractors. Prosecutors say until he left the government in 2012, he had a top-secret security clearance. Court documents indicate Mallory received $25,000 from people he thought were Chinese operatives. If convicted, he faces up to life in prison. Pam Puso, Fox News. And the federal government is lifting protections on grizzly bears in Yellowstone National Park. Jessica Rosenthal reports. Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke said Yellowstone grizzlies are no longer threatened. He called it one of the great conservation success stories. So they're turning over grizzly management to the states where Yellowstone is this summer. Jonathan Proctor with Defenders of Wildlife agrees that it is a great success story and they'd like to keep it that way. We are not sure how the states of Idaho, Wyoming and Montana will manage grizzly bears, but hunting will be a new factor in grizzly bear mortality. The area now has roughly 700 grizzly bears, up from a low of about 136. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Here's the forecast for the Fox 6 weather experts. Decreasing clouds today. Most of the rain has moved over to the, uh, the lake now. High today about 79. Partly cloudy tonight will drop down to 59. A partly sunny, pretty nice day tomorrow. We do have a slight chance for some evening thunderstorms. High tomorrow, 71 degrees. Sunday, pretty much the same thing. Partly sunny, a chance for scattered showers and thunderstorms, and a high of 70 degrees on Sunday. 66 degrees now at 537. Brendan Dassey, who was convicted along with his uncle Stephen Avery in the 2005 murder of Teresa Halbach, could soon be free from prison. 
A three-judge panel of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld a lower court ruling that Das's conviction be thrown out because his confession was coerced. The state's already indicated it wants the entire court to reconsider that ruling. Das's brother Brad believes the state should just, well, in his words, admit defeat. Well, I think the state should just give up and let go because Brendan is innocent. The state has also said it's prepared to take this case to the U.S. Supreme Court if necessary. Senate Republicans Thursday released details of their health care bill. Already four senators, including Ron Johnson, have indicated they may not be able to support it. The GOP can only afford to lose two senators or the bill will fail. Johnson says he and his constituents will need more time to fully review it. personally think that uh, pass, or holding a vote on this next week would definitely be rushed. Uh, I can't imagine, quite honestly, that I'd have the information to evaluate and justify a yes vote within just a week. The bill eliminates the individual mandate. It repeals Obamacare taxes. Insurance plans that include abortion coverage would not qualify for subsidies. It also delays cuts to Medicaid in the short term, but it makes deeper cuts in the long run. A 39-year-old woman accused of pouring gasoline into a home and then setting it on fire, leading to the death of a 72-year-old man, has now been formally charged. Her name is Java Wright. She's charged now with reckless homicide and arson. She was in court Thursday and her bond set at $250,000. The allegations in this complaint are very serious and are both disturbing and horrendous. The only solace in this situation is that he died from inhaling smoke rather than being burnt alive. Police say when they arrested Wright, she admitted to the crime, telling them that she was trying to force her boyfriend out of the home because they'd been fighting. A 22-year-old man's been sentenced to seven years in prison for a June of 2015 crash that killed two bicyclists. Brad Hartley of South Milwaukee says he fell asleep at the wheel while driving home from a party where he had been drinking. Waukesha County Judge Lloyd Carter connected Hartley's underage drinking at the time to that accident. You were the person behind the wheel, Mr. Hartley. You controlled. You controlled whether or not you drove home from that party that day. You controlled whether or not you agreed or didn't agree to drive. Hartley pleaded guilty to two counts of homicide by negligent operation of a vehicle. A driver who led police on two chases in Racine County has been arrested now. Police say he was 13 years old. Officers arrested the boy at a home in Mount Sturdivant as he pulled into the driveway. They obtained the address by running a check on the car's tags as they were chasing it. The boy had apparently taken the car from his father's girlfriend. 540 on the WISN Morning Briefing. Scott Dolphin in now with sports. It's brought to you this morning by Roto-Rooter. Good morning, Ken. Starting with the NBA draft, the Bucks select Michigan forward DJ Wilson with the 17th overall pick last night. He averaged 11 points and 5.5 and rebounds a game as a junior for the Wolverines. Meanwhile, Milwaukee also received SMU guard Sterling Brown as a part of the deal with Philly. Milwaukee traded its second-round pick, Sandarius Thornwell, out of South Carolina to the Los Angeles Clippers. As expected, Washington guard Markel Fultz went to, at the top of the draft to the, to the Sixers. He was taken number one overall after a trade with Boston. Lonzo Ball staying in Los Angeles. The UCLA guard was selected by the Lakers with the second pick. Duke forward Jason Tatum was third. He goes to Boston. Kansas forward Josh Jackson taken fourth by Phoenix. And Sacramento took Kentucky's De'Aaron Fox to round out the top five. Jimmy Butler, the former Marquette star, is heading to Minnesota. The Chicago Bulls traded the three-time All-Star to the Timberwolves for Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, And draft picks were also exchanged as part of that deal. Baseball, the Brewers get a home run from Travis Shaw in the first inning. They don't look back. They they knock in three runs in that frame as they beat the Pirates 4-2. Eric Thames singled in the other run for the crew who split that four-game set, and they ended with a winning homestand, four up and three down against the Padres 
and the Pirates. Now it's a road trip that begins tonight in Atlanta. It's the first of three against the Braves at their brand-new stadium. The crew will also visit Cincinnati on this trip. And the Raiders locking up quarterback Derek Carr. He becomes the he gets the richest contract in NFL history. He tweeted yesterday he had finalized a uh, six-year deal worth, or five-year deal worth $125 million. From the Big 920 Sports Desk, I'm Scott Dalton on News Talk 1130 WISN. That deal that Carr got has a guaranteed $40 million up front. When he signs, I'll give him a check for $40 million. There's also a, apparently a clause in there that pays him a lot of money should he be injured. 542 on the morning briefing. Still to come, more and more Democrats now openly talking about a change in leadership because Nancy Pelosi just isn't cutting it when it comes to actually winning elections. That's just ahead. The perfect blend of information and opinion. This is the WISN Morning Briefing. And your morning briefing continues now at 547. More news and comments on that news. The Democratic Party claims unity. But anyone who cares to take a look, a long look, doesn't see unity. What you do see, though, is disunity And the situation for Democrats is getting worse with each special election loss. Fox News contributor Charles Krauthammer says there is a battle taking place inside the party right now. It pits the Clinton wing of the party against the rest of the Democratic Party. After Tuesday's defeat, Democrats haven't just been criticizing the party's message, but questioning if they even have one. We need a message. We don't have an infrastructure in our caucus that allows more voices to be heard. I think we've been hyper-confused over the course of the past five years. I don't think people in the Beltway are realizing just how toxic the Democratic Party brand is in so many of the countries. This is a party that many of us grew up hearing. This is the party for the working class. And we've gotten away from that economic message. So the question is, do Democrats have a message? Tim Ryan sounds like he may be on to something. And if they don't have a message, what should their message be? We're joined now by someone who's thought a lot about this. He is author and columnist Charles Krauthammer, who, by the way, has thought a lot about virtually everything. So, Charles, what should the message be that Democrats run on next time? Well, the paradox is that one wing of the party, but really the base, has a message because it has an ideology. That's the Bernie Sanders wing. They actually have a coherent set of ideas. They want to create a government-run health care. They want government intervention, higher regulation, higher taxes, and open the borders. They want to create a European social democracy, a a Germany in the U.S. It's a coherent idea. I think it's nuts. I think it's a terrible outcome, but it has appeal, obviously. He hung in there for six months against uh, Hillary. Now, the problem is... That's not a majority of the party. It's the strong base of the party. It's not a majority. The rest of the party, the Clinton wing, the part who supported her and who went for her, and who are the regulars, have, do not have a message. And that's the problem. And by message, I mean ideology, a coherent set of ideas. What they have, they have constituencies. They appeal to blacks, to Hispanics, right. to young people, to mostly to women, but it's mostly single women to LGBT, they have constituencies. It's a stitching together of constituencies, hoping that that will put them over 50%. Now, that's a strategy. It may work. It worked with Obama. He put together large elements of those constituencies, and he won twice. But the problem is it doesn't have an ideological and intellectual coherence. So when you say, what do you stand for, they can't give an answer. So what if 
they do, they invent this idea of diversity. So this is a party of diversity. Diversity is an adjective that describes the world as it is. It is not a political aspiration. It's not a goal everybody wants to head to. That's not what America is. America is a lot of things. Freedom, you could say if you're a Sanders, equality, a lot of other things. But diversity is right. a pretty pale and unappealing ideal, if it is one at all. And it's a phony, because it really is just an intellectual excuse for appealing one constituency at a time, and that's what they've been trying to do. And you can win sometimes with a charismatic candidate like Obama 2008, or even in 12, but that's not a way for a party to survive. Well, the, the problem also is if you organize your party around identity politics, at right. some point the component groups may realize they don't have anything in common. They have separate goals, right. and why wouldn't they go to war with each other at some point soon? And they do. You know, and it, that's the problem. When you, when you appeal, when you do the identity politics, when you appeal to groups based on what is their characteristic, you inevitably end up with them fighting over the spoils. That's one of the problems with affirmative action. Why should it be X and not Y? Why should it be newly arrived Hispanics and not white people who's, a, you know, let's say a Polish immigrant whose uh, parents might actually have you know, fought in the Second World War. There's no way to judge, and you end up simply with a scrambling for spoils. And that is one of the things that the, the Democrats suffer from. That was the one good thing I always thought about Sanders, was he did not organize his campaign around That's that. That's right. And he had ideas. Insane though they were, but it was right. unifying, not divisive. It's essentially an anti-capitalist idea. You would have thought that it right. exists only in the English departments of some elite universities, which explains why uh, Elizabeth Warren is sort of his acolyte. She's a perfect example, a Harvard professor. But that has a limited appeal, and it's sort of, you know, socialism is not exactly the most successful idea of the last two centuries, so it's not a terribly good idea to run on it. But at least, it, as you point out, at least it hangs together. The, the, well, the other exactly Democrats... Right. The Pelosi de Democrats have no idea that hangs together. That's totally right. Charles Kreidhammer, thank you for joining us tonight. That was really interesting. My pleasure. House Democrat leader Nancy Pelosi has become a key target for Republican candidates who have successfully tied Democrat candidates to Pelosi. And they've won elections by doing so. A growing number of Democrats as a result are now saying Pelosi may be a great fundraiser, but she doesn't help candidates in districts that the Democrats believe that they can flip and that they must flip in 2018 if they have any hope of regaining the majority in the House. So with Republicans sweeping every special election held this year, most recently in Georgia, many Dems are pointing the finger at their leader in the House, California Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, saying it will be hard to win back control with her at the helm. You think right. Nancy Pelosi is more toxic than Donald Trump? You know what? The honest answer is, in some areas of the country, yes, she is. That's the honest answer. I don't think people in the Beltway are realizing just how toxic the Democratic Party brand is in so many of the country. I'm joined by Congressman Finley Mangbella. He is a Democrat from Texas. Sir, thank you for joining us. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think as we look forward to the 2018 general elections, uh, as Democrats, our goal is to uh, regain the majority. And to regain a majority, we need to win swing districts. And in those swing districts, 
uh, Leader Pelosi. Uh, she's she's uh, been a very loyal leader. She's worked very hard, and she deserves her due. But in the context of winning the 2018 election and taking the majority, uh, I, I think it is pretty clear uh, that Leader Pelosi uh, does not help our candidates in those swing districts that are so necessary for us to win uh, in 2018. It's a little bit softer language than you used before when you said that I think you'd have to be an idiot to think we could win the House with Pelosi at the top. Wait, was, was that too strong? Uh, no, I was, I was being asked what I thought our chances were, and I honestly was thinking that, um, you know, to really believe that we can win the 2018 election and regain the majority, uh, given uh, every, every poll that we see, every stat that we see shows that Leader Pelosi just doesn't uh, help our candidates in those swing districts. So um, I was asked a question. Yeah. Uh, about our, our our ability to win the 2018 elections, and I, honest, I honest, answered it as honestly as I could. Yeah, a absolutely. Um, another former speaker, Newt Gingrich, thinks something similar. Let me play for you what he said earlier. I hope they keep Nancy for 10 more years. I, I, I want her there for at least another decade. I mean, we have all the ads done. They work perfectly in Georgia. We know exactly how to run against the Nancy Pelosi-led party. Uh, we'd love to have the question be in 2018, uh, Nancy Pelosi versus Paul Ryan. Uh, and I hope that the Democrats keep her right where she is uh, for a long, long time, at least a decade. Your reaction to that? Well, what I really think is that uh, Leader Pelosi, looking forward to the 2018 election, has to ask herself this question. Do I help Democrats win swing districts, which we need to win in 2018, or do I not? Uh, and have an honest uh, dialogue with herself, and I just, I, I, I think the answer is obvious. And the answer obviously is she should go? Oh, I, I, I think that if we are going to win, the two, if we're going to regain the majority in 2018, uh, we have to have new leadership. Sir, thank you for coming on. We appreciate your time. Thank you. The word from Washington is there is a growing sentiment among Democrats that it is in fact time for Pelosi to step aside. And the former speaker is clearly concerned, or at least her aides are clearly concerned. They've been sending out messages to supporters with suggested tweets in support of Pelosi. And Pelosi herself has stated in public, quote, I am proud of the unity that we have had and, frankly, my leadership in terms of keeping everybody together. She added, I think I'm worth the trouble. A growing number of Democrats, Nancy, don't agree with that last comment. Oh, and, and I'm with Newt Gingrich. I hope she hangs around for another 10 years as the leader of the Democrats. 5.57 on the WISN Morning Briefing, just minutes away from the Jay Weber Show. How, what say you, sir? Well, I think about 12 Democrats or so apparently met yesterday to, to strategize to replace her. I think they better not let their pets outside alone oh, yeah. Yeah. anytime soon because Nancy's going to be gunning for them. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. They're afraid uh, yeah. of her. She, she's she is a stone cold witch, and she has ruined careers. So you don't no, take she's on ruined Nancy the party, lightly. So. <laughs> yeah, you don't take her on uh, lightly, though. Yeah. That's why she's one of the reasons she's retained power. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Democrats complaining the Senate is moving too fast on President Trump's judicial appointments. I just call that winning. Uh, Mitch McConnell rolls out the Senate's repeal bill. None of his fellow senators leap to defend it, and yet they all seem to realize it ultimately needs to pass. So. Mm -hmm. I think we have some good early indicators here, even though it is threading a needle. And I know this surprises you. 
Car crashes are up in states that legalized marijuana. What? Isn't that shocking? Are, are, you you got to be kidding. Yeah, you know, we knew it was, gonna, we knew it was coming, but, you know, yeah. potheads got a pothead. Oh, so. All that and more coming up. All right. Sounds like another great program. It's just minutes away. That wraps up this edition of the WISN Morning Briefing. Join me again Monday for another hour of news and commentary. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.